Welcome back to the Posh Cockney Podcast. You're listening to Liam Norvell and this is Hospitality News brought to you by the Industry Titans. And today's Titan is a gentleman called Joseph Ryan. He is Director of Special Projects at Zook Consulting in Malaysia. Very excited to speak to Joe. I haven't seen him for six, seven years. He's one of the greatest minds I've ever worked with going way back into Aura and China White. But we'll hear about his story later on in the show. I'd like to thank Mark from the Felix Project for coming on on Tuesday. We've had some phenomenal response and lots of people looking to help out with the charity. Let's get straight into today's episode. We're going to hear how Malaysia has been combating the coronavirus and what incredible projects Suk and Joseph have planned for a post-COVID-19 era and how important brand affiliation is right now. Enjoy the episode, guys. But before we hear from Joe, we're going to hear from our sponsors, Utilitrack. As one of the UK's leading commercial energy consultants, Utilitrack help businesses spend less on their utilities. There's never been a better time than now to review your costs. So if you'd like free help or advice on saving money on your utilities, email us at inquiries at utilitrack.co.uk or visit our website www.utilitrack.co.uk. And welcome back to the Posh Cockney podcast, Hospitality News, brought to you by the Industry Titans. And today's Titan is an old friend of mine, Joe Ryan. Joe, how are you? Hey, Liam. It's been a very long time, maybe six years, but I'm fantastic, mate, despite everything that's happening. How the devil are you? I'm okay. I'm uh, I'm in sunny London today. Yeah, I'm, I'm coping well. It, obviously, it's very, very tough. You're in Malaysia at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, mate. I've been in Southeast Asia for the past half decade. Uh, I bounced between Singapore and Malaysia and spent some time in Hong Kong as well. Malaysia is in full lockdown. We've been in lockdown for seven weeks. Singapore is, I think, about its fourth week now. Um, Hong Kong's coming out the other side of it. But Asia has been the starting point and it seems to be easing out on the other side whilst the West is catching up. Because you know the major problem is, Liam, that every country in the world is out of pocket now from bailing out different businesses, trying to protect their own. I mean, we're losing two billion a day in Malaysia, two billion ringgit, which is just under a billion pounds. Uh, you look at it over the course of this, you look at a hundred billion loss for the, for the country. We're on our 50th day. So I believe that we will get back to some sort of semblance of movement. We won't be opening any big group gathering businesses anytime soon restaurants you'll have to have two meters apart cafes the same a predominantly takeaway model um, and huge amount of sanitization wearing face masks everywhere constant testing temperature testing all over the place um, just making sure that it's as professionally dealt with as possible to avoid a second surge internally how are you getting that message across to customers uh, is communication key do you think at the moment Communication is everything, Liam. Online communication, videoing, texting. We text all our customers every day to keep them updated on what's happening. So I'm based in a resort called Resorts World Genting, which is in Pahang in Malaysia, which is about 45 minutes from Kuala Lumpur. And we get 25 million visitors a year. So we have a huge database of visitors. So communication is absolutely key because they want to know various things. They've been locked down for the best part of two months. So people want to get out, want to be moving around. But they, number two, want to know that they're safe. They want to know that you're taking care of them, but also taking care of the staff that work for you. Also, the economy's been whacked. So people, when they do get the flexibility to move, they'll be picking where they go very carefully. So we're constantly communicating via videos, via text messages, via online platforms, social media, and our website to basically show that we've taken sanitation carefully. Everyone will be checked for their temperature. If people have been through red zones, maybe they won't be allowed to come back immediately. If they're coming from green zones, they'll have spot checks. 
everyone we check for temperature, we'll do contact tracing so that if there is a case in any of our restaurants, we can go back as far as we need to to let people know who visited 14 days before. Um, you really, really have to keep talking to people. Um, what's the weather like in Malaysia at the moment? Does that affect people's journey in and out of places? Not really, because we, we have summer all year round. We're, we're very much a tropical climate, so it, it rains heavier than it does in the UK for about one hour and then you're done, but it's 30 degrees all year round. Right. Um, movement is a constant thing here, but the, the big difference between us and I'd say a Western environment is everything is done over a meal or drink. So everyone is constantly socialising 24-7. We call them mamaks here, which is restaurant complexes where you'll go and you'll get street food or hawker food, and everyone does it. I mean... I will catch up with people over breakfast, lunch, or dinner constantly. So the biggest frustration or the biggest difficulty that people have found during this period of time is not having that constant social interaction that comes with Asian lifestyle. Um, we just had Chinese New Year in February, which is once again a huge time for people to go to their hometowns and catch up through meals and gatherings. So as a culture, Malaysia is based on three major cultures, Indian, Chinese, and Malay. And inside those cultures, you have a lot of religious festivals, but also social interactions that are key to day-to-day -day life. And they've really been knocked back. So it's not so much weather permitted, but it's a cultural permittance. And a lot of people have sometimes been trapped outside of their home states. Sometimes people have not been able to travel back and forth between Singapore and Malaysia. 300,000 Malaysians work in Singapore every day and then travel back to the neighboring town called Johor. Some people were stuck for a long period of time. So it, it, it's been a complicated transition but I, I'm really proud to say that the Malaysian community has embraced the no movement and it's seen the numbers drop quite dramatically. And you think the government response has been good and you look like you'll come out of this in a, in a positive way? Yeah I think it's been very positive I mean the army was out very early on to some districts to make sure it was seriously taken um, but you just look a look before MCO there were cases that were up to about 200 a day now we're sub 50 so I feel that it's been a very positive response it's allowed us to reopen on the fourth in a soft way we haven't seen a spike touch wood and I, I feel that the people have respected the government's wishes but also the government's been texting all of us all of us that have a Malaysian number have been getting texts two or three times a day from the government so I think once you what you just touched on about communication is being from top down so I think it, it's been a great response here. Let's talk about your journey, Joe, because the Hospitality Titans podcast, I interview people. I normally have met them in the past or I've worked with them in the past. And obviously with you, Joe, we've got way back past a decade now. So why don't you tell the listeners right now where you started and how you became who you are now? Well, it's, it's a funny story, Liam. I mean, you're know, going back as far as 2007. I was a failed stockbroker, uh, much to my dad's disappointment when I couldn't I, I didn't know that about you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I went to get my FSA exams and I took such a long time to pass them that I approached the owner of China White, John Stephen, and I said to him, can I come in and do some work with you whilst I'm struggling to, to get qualified? And uh, John gave me my first job, which was social liaison at the old China White, which was, as you know, a fantastic venue. It's, it's where a lot of the modern day venues were inspired to grow from. Um, and I met a lot of my network there. And then I moved to Aura, which was owned by a Malaysian businessman, Tony Fernandez. And that's my link to where I am now. I spent, you know, four happy years at Aura. And then after that, I ended up coming to Malaysia. And I've been working for a company called Zoo Consulting, which is a subsidiary of the Genting Group, which a lot of people who might listen to a podcast will know for casino resorts. We have them around the world in the USA, the Bahamas, casinos in the UK, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong. And we basically are the millennial offshoot of that group. So my, my job here has been to curate, design, set up and operate millennial skewed outlets to bring a millennial client base to our resorts. We have 
a karaoke, which is very popular in Asia, two bars, two restaurants, two nightclubs. And we did a 7,000 person festival last year. So it's given me my toes, Liam. A lot has changed. I've got less hair around the back of my head nowadays. Uh, I definitely drink a lot less than I used to, but uh, I'm really enjoying the Asian culture. And from where we've both come, the world is different now. Um, but the soul of people still enjoying interacting, socializing, and sharing and creating memories is basically what I still do to this day that I did 10 years ago. But it, it's been a, a fantastic journey, and I, I look back with some amazing memories of the UK, but uh, I wouldn't return if I had the chance. You wouldn't come back here and, and work here? No, I, I'm very happy in Asia. It's a very different world, very different way that business is done, very different culture, but I, I really resonate with the, the cultural setup. Different levels in respectability. The, the West is fantastic, and you, London is, is, is one of the best cities in the world, and if you can make it London, you can make it anywhere, and there's opportunities born every single day. I think for me, the, the, the way of life and the pace of life out here suits me. I have a great social circle in Singapore that I, I call my friends, and the, I've got to be honest with you, Liam, the climate's fantastic. 30 degrees every day, man. I go for a run and I, I pick up some semblance of a tan in the UK. I'd be lucky if I don't get rained on every day. So I, I don't think I miss that part. Um, but I think the full package is just sometimes people go to new places and discover that there, there's something that resonates with you. Um, the business opportunity, I'll be honest, on this other world where China is a major superpower. Southeast Asia is a full developing world. Singapore is the only first world country in Southeast Asia. But where there's developing countries, there's huge opportunity. And I find that looking at Cambodia, Vietnam, where there's growing middle class, there's a lot of scope of work out here in comparison to maybe if you have a great idea in London, you're competing with maybe 100 people who've already come up with that concept. We can take great things that I learned 10 years ago and implement them here because it may be 10 years behind. It's a great situation I find myself in and I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, but I, I feel this is my home nowadays. Would you recommend people listening to this podcast right now, if they was in hospitality, maybe in London, and they, they feel like they're a bit stuck and they, they're looking for a new opportunity, would you say take the risk and go out to Malaysia and, and try it out there? It's a difficult one to, to advise anyone at this specific moment in time, because unless you're in online or digital, you're going to struggle anywhere in the world. You know, you look at 30 million people now unemployed in America. I, I'm not saying that we don't have the same problems. What I would say in hospitality is Southeast Asia is booming. The coffee culture in Vietnam, I've seen some of the best hipster cafes I've ever seen. And you look at, you go a little bit further to Australia, there's a massive coffee culture there where coffee shops are huge businesses. Mm. Um, and, you, know, you look at the Cafe Nero, you look at a local cafe in Wandsworth. It's not taken to the same scale as I've seen it out here. You look at the local food culture, it's massive. I mean, the, these Mamat street food that I'm telling you about, it's not just a guy by the side of the street. We're talking about huge complexes of local food that people make, and they're huge businesses. Because the one bonus you have for hospitality or F&B, Liam, out in this part of the world, is the resources are very cheap. Not only is labor particularly cheap because the standard of living is a different cost, but the material, the products you're using, if you're looking at rice, you're looking at coffee beans, you're looking at raw materials, vegetables, you have the climate to grow it. And you're in the UK, you import a lot of produce, yeah. whereas here, naturally grown. So I think there is huge opportunity. You always have a chance if you go to a developing country of maybe trying something afresh that will cost you slightly less than it would have done back home. But yeah, I would always encourage people to branch out, even if it's to look further afield, but not necessarily leave your home country. I, I think that in, in the Midlands, in the UK, or even the South Coast, there's great opportunities for people. So, But yeah, I would always champion someone giving it a shot. Come out, you never know what you, you might achieve. Before we ask any more questions, we're going to hear from our sponsors, Utilitrack. Thank you. 
Hello, it's Gerard from Utility Track, and we're delighted to be sponsoring today's podcast. We've a couple of tips for you. In the current pandemic, your business is going to be using less gas and electricity. So do make sure where it's safe to do so that you provide regular meter readings to your supplier. This will prevent you overpaying and building up an unnecessary credit. And don't just cancel your direct debit. Most utility contracts have a price discount built into them for paying by DED. If you can cancel that direct debit, you're likely to pay a penalty. What was you working on pre-COVID-19 and now have you had to adapt? I work for a very exciting company. Uh, a company that's quite gung-ho in expansion. Um, at the moment, Genting is building a whole resort in Las Vegas, which is super exciting. It'll be the first new resort in some time. It opens in 2021. Zook will have a footprint there. There's about 100,000 square foot or, of club restaurant bar space. Pre-COVID-19, we were really hampering up what we achieved last year. I mean, we opened eight outlets in two years. We did a festival last year for 7,000 people, first time in a long time here. We, we were looking at doubling up on that, doing two of them, opening more outlets. We're a bit on freeze now because you're kind of looking around to see not just how the safety mechanism will change everything, but also looking at how impacted has the economy been? How long will it take people who may have lost a, a lot? to be able to afford to come and utilize our products, but we'll still keep moving forward. Uh, we've just taken a master franchise for Five Guys Burger, the American burger restaurant, and bring it into Malaysia. Um, I'm currently watching the store being built as we speak, and we're looking forward to opening that by hopefully September. Um, because in our resort, Burger and Lobster, which you'll know from the UK, we have a franchise here and it's the best performing one in the world. So because we have footfall. So fingers crossed, Liam, not just for the business, but for the community that people bounce back. You obviously hope that people find prosperity or at least find themselves back to some sort of security. Um, I don't know the unemployment numbers in the country, but I'm sure there are people definitely affected. And, And let's hope that as a community, we can recover. And then we can start to look at the plans we previously had. But I think if you look at festivals, group gatherings and stuff, I think this year is off the limits. Mm-hmm. But I, I think 2021 will be a great opportunity for everyone looking at it. And I hope to chat to you again then and tell you that we're, we're booking big name DJs again and we're bringing festivals and we're opening more outlets and moving into wellness and various other things. Let's see, uh, get past it. What are we doing during this COVID-19? We're, we're going full on digital. Right. Um, on our social media, we release 21 videos a week. We do seven workout videos at lunchtime every day. Mid-afternoon, we're doing interviews with big-name DJs, industry personnel. And then in the evenings, we've got live streams and pre-recorded mixes every single night of the week. So, you know, we've gone from where our social media, and I'm sure you remember from the club days, social media was pretty much a, it's like a ticket sales extension. It's like, hey, look, this night's coming up, buy your ticket, come. And now it's a communication channel. It's constantly talking telling a brand story, telling a message that ties someone into an affiliation with your brand, there there becomes that flow of communication back and forth that over the long term resonates between client and business. Hopefully, if they see something they like, it allows you to guide them into other products that you have. So we're fully digital. We're doing, as I say, 21 hours of content a week and chatting nonstop to people with the hope that once we're allowed to welcome them back, we can have two forms of business. One is an online model and one is an offline model. I'm always about the the mindset of being on the offensive, not the defensive, especially in times of crisis. Would you agree that some companies out there now have gone completely ghost? I think they're just waiting to see what other people are doing, but you guys are really ramping it up and keeping your message out there. Do you feel like that you're getting a good response from your customers and you're, and you're getting more even more engagement right now? Yeah, it's phenomenal, Liam, to be honest with you. Like getting people chatting. People are building a dependency sitting at home. 
Okay, there's only so much Netflix you can watch. But you look at Netflix as a perfect business model, right? People are going on there to feel a connection with a, a TV show. So they return to that TV show and they return to Netflix because they're filling a void in their life that didn't exist before. We all know how hard it is to work from home. I mean, I'm quite fortunate I live where I work in the resort, so I can go to the office each day. But we've got people who are sitting at home who have to fill time and either I can fill that time with you by creating content that you find interesting. You're going to go and find it from someone else. And when you develop that brand affiliation, you're going to come out the other side and continue that brand affiliation. So anyone who's sitting in silence is mad if they think they can just bounce back to where they were before. I would say anyone who's gone ghostly, as I said before, is missing a major opportunity. And I'll ask you a question here. Why would you choose Nike over Adidas? They could both be the same product. It's because of that identification you have with that brand that's built outside of the product. Yeah. You and I are not pro footballers. You might have picked the Adidas Predator when you were at school because David Beckham wore it. You don't know if it's good or not, but they have successfully marketed to you in a fashion that you grow that reliance and dependence upon that brand. So I feel that missing that opportunity to communicate is going to be detrimental over the long term. People now, with the message they're putting across, it's almost like they're building a trust with the customer. The, the positivity and the, you know, again, we, we touch back on the communication, but it's building trust barriers now with people. And so when this is over, they're going to go, look, that company was solid. They were with us during these hard times. They were giving us this good content, this humor, this fun fitness workouts like you just touched on. And that's, I think that's really the key that the companies that are out there and putting that positivity out on the internet or, or via certain platforms, they will be the ones that are remembered and they might even see their customer base go through the roof. Even a customer that might not have gone there before has seen all this stuff and they're like, you know, I want to be there. That, that company looks like something that I want to be involved in. Do you have a similar thing like we have in the, in the UK, like the UK hospitality or in Dubai, they've got Mera, sort of the Middle East Restaurant Association. Do you have that out there in, in Malaysia where you're sort of sharing ideas with, with your competitors at this time, really? The, the big implementation is to try and help each other through it. I was talking to another bar owner the other day who was giving me advice on the process he's going to put in place to welcome people back. Because the faster we can all work together to make it a safe place for people to come back, the faster we all get customers. So yeah, we're constantly chatting to each other to try and offer each other advice because no one's an expert. Yet. And I was talking to a, a club owner in China because they're already open. He's telling me that WeChat, which is a form of communication app in China, traces people where they travel through GPS across the country. And if you've been in a red zone, when you go to enter, it scans the app. They can tell if you've been in a danger zone and they'll turn you away. So I learned this from him. Uh, it, it's more about unity than it is about excluding each other. Let's ask you the question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. What are you looking forward to the most when this is all over? What are you gonna are you gonna go to your favorite restaurant? Are you gonna travel? Maybe are you gonna go to your favorite bar? I mean, what inspires you now? You know, do you know the funny thing? I signed up for the KL Marathon and the KL Marathon was supposed to be in May and it was pulled because of obvious reasons, right? So I, I, I really miss outdoor fitness. Kuala Lumpur means muddy ravine and it's in the base of a, um, a valley. I'm going to definitely be going out and climbing at six in the morning to, to do three or four hour hikes to get to peaks. And then we've got incredible views for miles and miles. So I really miss the outdoors. Um, being stuck inside is, is horrible, especially when you do have the luxury of good weather. Um, so I look forward to getting outdoors and, and running and, and hiking. It's a bit different to the olden days, mate, where you and I may have shared a, a shop or a glass of champagne together. It's more about um, making the most of the wellness opportunities out there. So I'll definitely be exercising outdoors as soon as I get the opportunities. Amazing. Joe, how can people get hold of you after the show if they would look like some advice or maybe they want to take the plunge and, and go and join you out in Malaysia? Can you share your email address and your social media handles? 
Yeah, mate, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I'm sure they can find me via your page. And then also uh, Joseph Ryan at zooclub.com. I always welcome people to reach out, Liam. A, a girl from Washington who just graduated reached out to me last week out of the blue and asked for a Skype chat to just get advice and getting into the industry. And I would say I've made more mistakes than successes and I've learned more from the mistakes I've made. So I'm more than happy to show people that never give up on the opportunities or the dream that you might want to get into this game. I, I've lived my dream for 10 years. If your dream is to open a bar, a coffee shop, a restaurant, organize a festival, a gala dinner, even a charity fundraiser, pick on the likes of you and me for advice. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you again, and I can't wait to catch up with you. And it sounds like we're doing some yoga instead of having a few drinks. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on your success, mate. It's great to see you so well. Thank you, mate. And we'll catch up soon. Okay. Thank you so much, Joe. Really appreciate you coming on the episode. I know lots of people will find that very helpful and I'm sure they'll reach out to you as well. That's enough for that show. Now let's go on to Tuesday. We have an incredible Titan coming on. His name is Gary Sewell. He is the owner of Scintillate. Now, most of you have been to a Scintillate party over the last 20 years. They are one of the biggest in the game and I cannot wait to bring you that episode. So make sure you tune in on Tuesday. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Don't forget to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Liam Norvell. And drop me an email if you'd like to hear more about the Posh Cotney services. That's liam.norvell at poshcotney.co.uk. I'm off now, but here's our sponsor's utility track. Have a great weekend. As one of the UK's leading commercial energy consultants, UtiliTrack help businesses spend less on their utilities. There's never been a better time than now to review your costs. So if you'd like free help or advice on saving money on your utilities, email us at inquiries at utilitrack.co.uk or visit our website www.utilitrack.co.uk.